Shopamaniacs, it's a spooky episode of the Shop Talk Show. You forgot this, comes around every year, but I'm Dave, a Dracula Rupert, and with me is Chris, a Frankenstein Coyer. <laughs> Need dibs. Ooh. I don't even know. What, is, what does Frankenstein eat? Bolts? Uh, electricity. He wants his bride. That's the big one. That's the big Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, he's sad. He wants to yeah. get married. Yeah. Yeah. In there, I don't know why this made me think of it. Like, what does Frankenstein eat? I'm like, what do other HTML elements eat? Um, you know? hmm, this is, feels like a segue. <laughs> it's not really. I just saw this. It was like it was like somebody built. Can I use? But for like, can I put? Can I nest <laughs> this HTML? Can I nest? Did you no, see that no, going I didn't around? See it. it was pretty cool because it's. I, I don't. I've like literally never. I've had bugs with this, but I've never thought to like reference documentation to see what's valid or what's not. But you, you put a parent element and a child element and it tells you if it's cool or not. Oh, really? Like, like is that okay to put it? Like div, Dave, can you put a div in a H1? Is that cool? I think no. no. You double blocked <laughs> yourself, right? Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But you can put a div in a div. So who cares? Right. You know, like you, that, like, but headers for whatever reason, they don't want to be in there and they literally will just get like booted yeah, out. Isn't that weird? And, and then, well, yeah, it's pretty yeah, weird. I mean, yeah, there's definitely, I, I, you know, I've been in the uh, open UI there talking about uh, new elements, potential elements. And you really have to think a lot about like the, this idea of compound elements has come up just like elements that mm-hmm. depend on other elements or sets of elements. Like you have to put a summary in a details or like whatever, like it doesn't make any sense to not have it there. And you got to, like a T head only goes in a table mm-hmm. or like input, right? It has a buddy called label input type equals checkbox or, you know, but, yeah. or radio, but you can't put anything in an input. Can't put anything in an input. No, it's kind of a self closer. Um, uh, but the, but there's another one that kind of goes with that. The input radio and checkbox is field set. We often forget that, but that kind of labels the whole group of checkboxes, Right. And then, you know, with field set, you have legend. Does it? Do you not even need a label with a checkbox if you put a field set in a legend? Uh, or do you still need a label per? I guess if it's like a group of checkboxes, you probably would want it. Like, uh, you know, like. Because they all have the same. If it's checkboxes, if they all have the same name attribute, then one label for that name labels them all. No, that that's. Not I it. guess you only need it for radios, but because checkboxes label is usually like, do you agree to this terms of service? Yes, you know, or whatever. But um, but I could see a situation where it's a group of checkboxes, like check all the things you like. You know, <laughs> what are all the fruits you like? You know, check them all off. Yeah, you know? it's a label for a group of yeah. things. So there's. So yeah, like okay. field set and then legend comes with that too. You'd never use a legend without a field set, right? And then there's, but the, there's been some talk about possibly in the open UI about possibly this idea of a radio group where you could like not use weird field set. <laughs> so, and you could kind of group radios. Yeah. People have shied away from it because it has some quite weird layout For implications like, where the legend kind of like is halfway obscured centered yeah. between the the field set yeah yeah pretty and weird. then and, and you know it's sometimes you want a, a radio group but you want it in a like a table you know what i mean like you don't mm-hmm. want it in like a uh, just for example but like if you wrap that you can't like shove a table into like multi or a field set into like multiple rows or something like that the, the use case is kind of more yeah. businessy but you do got to think about it and the, the failure state for them is is sometimes like unnoticeable like i think if you put a div in an h1 i don't think you're gonna it's probably not gonna manifest itself poorly all that much yeah. i had it i had it bite me in the ass just this week when i was doing all that ebook stuff because then it takes the html and it digests it and needs to turn it into another format and like even if the problem didn't manifest itself on the web which it didn't it did when it tried to make it into another format. It choked on oh, that really? markup hmm. and it freaked out. Uh, but, you know, sometimes it's, you have to think about it and sometimes you don't. Like an LI makes no sense all by itself. Mm-hmm. And any other element that isn't an LI doesn't make sense in a list. 
except for definition list, which allows divs in it now. You know, like there's all these little rules about HTML. You just yeah, know. yeah, and it keeps uh, yeah, it's it surprises, and and then there's you know uh, you're no stranger to deprecations of platform features, but just like you learned a rule, and you think it's the truth for the rest of your life, you know, but then it's like no, you can put a div in a DL now, <laughs> you know. You literally don't get a memo. You don't get a memo. It just happens. And then somebody writes a blog post about how you're dumb for doing it the dumb way. Anyway. Yeah. You've brought this up a number of times, though, but it's sometimes like we we keep up to date with this stuff almost as a profession. Yeah. And it's still hard for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. we are like very pundit class, you know, <laughs> of, yeah. of web development. Um, but you and I, I mean, just... You, by nature of CSS tricks and actually staying on top of CSS specifically, you know, you have your almanac and everything. Uh, you're always on the hook for good tricks or whatever. Um, and do you have inbound, you know, blog posts? Hey, read about this new feature or whatever. Uh, me, I'm just kind of, I like am interested in this big web thing. And so I try to track yeah. it and... I subscribe to different browsers and RSS and stuff like that. We pay attention, you and I, but you know the volume that we miss is seems. Yeah, and you know, and, and I'm still regularly surprised. Yeah, like oh crap, that's how that worked. I mean, just I just remember when I mentioned how oh, what were we in a video probably like and subscribe yeah, on YouTube like subscribe. is uh at supports with the selector. I didn't even know you could do that to begin with. Let alone I checked the browser support and it's like yeah, all browsers support that. Mm-hmm the selector function. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> what? Got yeah. It. Well, the, uh, today in the uh, d- 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 discord, somebody was showing there's, if you do a selector for like an attribute selector, like whatever in IMG, uh, mm-hmm. and then you put your angle brackets or your like what square, square brackets, brackets. And then yeah. you say whatever source star equals HTTP. S that's going to match. Yeah. You do like a star equals select all secure, secure links. links or images. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, or what sure. alt, whatever, but you can do at, at a space and then type the character I to make it case before the closing, before the closing square bracket. Yeah. It's case insensitive. To make it case insensitive. And I like didn't know that existed. I mean, I doubt I'll use it, but I till today well, till like last week, somebody posted, I saw somebody post it and I was like, oh, no yeah. way. Really? Like, Oh, it's great. I just, I haven't used it or needed to. Um, everything's been lower. No, the most common one is angle brackets. And then you go like something like, yes, yeah, source or href and then dollar sign equals means ends mm-hmm. with, and then like dot PDF or something. You're trying to select all PDFs, but you don't want to write five selectors that like, Oh, what if what if it ends in capital PDF? That's still a PDF, but it wouldn't select otherwise. So you put the I on there. I thought of it just while I was doing the the selector when I was looking at that selector API, the function one for at supports, because I was like, oh yeah, that's an interesting one. You know, maybe 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 that would be an interesting use case for it. And then I look at can I use, and I'm like, nope, everything supports it. Really? Wow. There's not that many. There's not that much cross-browser weirdness with selectors. Mm-hmm. It's much more common that it's a value or a property than it is a selector. Yeah. A little bit of weirdness. Like there's full screen is a little weird I looked full up. Full screen, webcam. Uh, that's has the thing that goes deal. with dialogue. Yeah. And then there's even like to get an auto-playing image, you have to do like uh, to so an auto playing video you can't do on mobile Safari and stuff like that, right? Um, but if you do like muted loop, auto play, yeah, those are all all that exactly. There's a there's soup a soup of, of attributes, attributes that, that you, you trigger a a GIF like yeah loop of a video, and it's actually more performant. Uh-huh. And like you should probably not be using the GIF format. You should be shipping MP4s like very crunched down MP4s, you know. Uh, I think even like Giphy does that automatically because it's so... Oh, yeah. Twitter does that. Everybody does that now. It's just the standard. Even if you upload a GIF, it will turn it into uh, a... MP4. Yeah. A video. And so yeah. like, it's just interesting. Like there's this soup of attributes you can do to trigger. That would be a good blog post. Like like what attribute soup or whatever. Like what, what, what attributes do you need to trigger a 
some different functionality yeah. or something. I do have to look it up every every time. Oh yeah, what's the? Well, it's like play the game. What do these attributes even do? Even plays in line for now that I get it. I, I get it, but that it, it took me a minute to grok what that meant because I'm like, it's a video. Of course, it plays in line. What are you talking about? But by default on video on mobile browsers or at least Safari, when you click a video, the default experience is the screen goes black. Everything wipes away and it, you only watch the video. That's the default if you do nothing. If you put plays in line, then you hit play and it's more like desktop. It just freaking plays the video. Yeah, I was uh, in bed late at night. My wife had gone to bed and a website auto-played a video on me on my phone. And I yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, of course, you're like, Ugh! you know, you do the, the yeah. panic. Sorry, sorry babe. Hey, I know sorry. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, and it always starts with some dumb commercial with like a drum track. Mops, you know. <laughs> it's like, God dang it, dude. Uh, but uh, so that like, but then I was like, actually like kind of impressed. I was like, how'd they autoplay the video on my phone? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, you're right. How did they get through those you, firewalls? through there? I yeah. wish I the one that always gets me is I, I I wanted to listen to one video on Instagram and then I keep scrolling and Instagram then decides that because you've listened to one video that all videos should have sound. Oh, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. What a blessing. Yeah. I I only <laughs> use Instagram on mobile app, the mobile app. Uh, and it's funny. The stories format is so bad. I just, I, I, Chris, I... Oh, you don't have the app installed? Do you like yeah, view, it view it through the yeah, browser? Yeah, but it's just, you know, yeah, it's... Yeah. Like it's just how I want to operate. Uh, I don't want Facebook on my yeah. phone. Um, it, it's such a bad experience. <laughs> but you know, like you watch a video, and this is it happens on TikTok, the native app too. Like you watch a video, and you're like, "Wait, what? What they say? Can I rewind it like thirty seconds?" But no, you have to go through the whole loop, man. You gotta just go go around the horn. Yeah, I watched a TikTok today, and it's like that so. too. I'm surprising to me that. Yeah, you got to go around the horn. You cannot just uh, watch. You cannot scrub. I backwards. wish I could, because there's just times where it's just like, wait, what'd they say? You know, or like, what was the goof there? And it seems funky, because isn't it a? I mean, it's still a video. I wonder if you could write a browser extension that forces it on there yeah, somehow. Probably fix yeah, TikTok maybe. dot web extension dot <laughs> or <laughs> fix TikTok. Uh, I wouldn't mind. All right, that's cool. So we talked about HTML a bunch. I would like to force you to talk about spicy sections at some point. Do you want to do it now or do you want spicy to Spicy like sections, let's get into it. But maybe we should do a commercial break. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Jetpack. You know, on this show, many times I've said, oh, Jetpack, it's an amazing plugin for your self-hosted WordPress site. It has loads of features. And that is true. There are tons of features uh, in Jetpack, but I mean more like Jetpack, the brand, the product, and less and less lately about Jetpack, literally the plugin, because Jetpack has been on this steady march forward by feedback from y'all that it should like be split up a bit, that I can not only like use smaller parts of Jetpack technology and also pay for smaller parts of Jetpack technology rather than it being an all-in-one, you can be like, I just want to use... Uh, Jetpack Backup, for example. Well, good news. Jetpack Backup has been split off not only as a pay-for thing, so you can a la carte just pay for backup. If that's all you want, and it is, believe me, it's the best backup for WordPress you can give. You can also now just install a plugin called Jetpack Backup. So it's all totally independent. Just like a lot of the performance features of Jetpack, very powerful, useful, use them all. They're split off from Jetpack into Jetpack Boost, and that's free. So if you're just like, ah, I just I just want like the nice image handling and the critical CSS of just use Jetpack Boost. Yeah, pretty cool. It's like if you, yeah, I don't know. And it's like if you just want to pay for and use and load only the resources that have anything to do with video press, fine. Then just do that. Uh, it's cool. It's cool to see this split apart because I think a lot, that's a big piece of feedback from them was like, I wish I could just use this part and this part. Well, now you can. And Jetpack Backup, this just dropped is the uh, the next one in that. And you can both pay for it and only install that plugin if you want. Pretty cool. Thanks for the support, Jetpack. All 
All right, we're back. <laughs> okay, spicy sections. Where do we begin? Um, okay. Well, I could. I, I, it's this is all yours, but I can I can tee you up. First of all, you have a blog post about this, which I read every word of because I really I'm, I'm I'm we've talked about it on the show and you really spelled it out. It just deserves a blog mm-hmm. post. So while we're going to do it again, I would recommend that. Um, people read the blog post because it's it's quite it's quite good. I like thinking. My favorite part is when you talk about like the history of like almost like expectations with tabs. You're like, oh yeah, tabs. It's there's a table of contents at the top, which that word is so perfect, right? That means like a a a a a. You know, tab one, tab two, tab three, or button, 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 mm-hmm, button. Mm-hmm. And that's just like you, you. That's fine, but you can kind of weirdly enough wipe that from your mind right you don't have to build tabs that way yeah that's that's what's interesting is like that's what the why aria authoring practices do that's what like historically like jquery ui did you know like (laughs) like and it was like progressive enhancement and and the idea was you could if the javascript failed you'd have this little table of contents and then you'd click the whatever section two link and go get driven down to section two right by by an anchor. Yep. I think that's it felt good. I mean that's how and then it got locked in people's minds. That's how re, all React tabs work these days. And they're generally thought of as what the three or four HTML element. You have a wrapper, you have tabs, and you have tab panels. It's yeah, at least three. and then maybe a tab bar would be the four elements like you put four, all your yeah. ta- like little tabos. Because you want to put border bottom on yep. it or something. So you need and then a there's wrapper. maybe somebody might go to a fifth element and do the content panels. Tab yeah, panel wrap. Tab panel sure. wrap for whatever reason. Maybe like an overflow or something. Yeah. What blows my mind is you're saying that this can maybe pulled up be pulled off with one. Yeah. And that's kind of what we looked at is the more we looked at it um is it might a one element solution might serve us better here. And in, in the it's hard to kind of mouthbog here, but a a tab we had to kind of think of the whole problem like what do tabs do? They take a tube of content, a, a long structure of content, and they roll it up into one where only one section is visible at a time, right? And yes. so you have like a label like whatever usually a heading is a good label you know uh, um, right h3 h2 uh and that would be like your label and and we kind of were just like well maybe we could infer sections of content by the heading structure and then roll it up based on that so uh so we kind of like sure you could do that in javascript but you're saying like maybe like HTML could do that. Yes, and, and we're doing it in a web component right now, but maybe HTML could do that. And HTML could like figure out, oh, this is what they want to present. Um, but when you start digging into the problem with tabs, you realize, okay, a tab, it shows one panel of content at a time, right? And you have some keyboard bindings that switch the different tabs. Well, guess what else does that? A single column, a single, a call, an accordion that only shows one panel at a time, like an exclusive accordion. Uh, right. It's the same thing from a tab, from a semantic structure. Right. And you're, cause you're saying people do this anyway. Like you think of tabs as the bar across the top, but a lot of people are like, well, and if it's a small enough area, it actually, a one at a time accordion is actually what a lot of patterns break Definitely. down to. Anyway. Or, or even if you think about like, you know, Something as simple, and maybe it's not tabs to accordion, like, you know, that collapsing header structure that was really popular. I think Filming Group had a few blogs on it, you know, uh, where, like, mm-hmm. you have those footer link, you know, footer links, and you want to collapse it down to a little collapse on mobile. You know, that was kind of hard to pull off, you know, uh, where with, like, interactivity and stuff like that. But you could do that on this, you know. It's like, oh, if the viewport's wide enough, just blow those out and, and open them up, Uh Right. So, so you grab the H3s or H2s or whatever, and you yank them up into a horizontal bar, just like you're used to with tabs, if there's enough mm-hmm. room. Maybe it's an attribute or I don't know how you express it. It looks like in your web component, you express it with a media query or like a c- custom property that has media yeah, queries. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of Brian Cardell's idea is these this idea of affordances. And affordances, a... a uh, a way to it's like a package of an oral and visual experience like the the aria 
you know, the screen reader and the visual presentation changes or is coupled together. Um, and you can change that design affordance, the way it presents itself using some screen readers or, or, or using a few media queries and, um, but we're doing it all in a custom attribute. It's sort of similar to his switch syntax, which was a while back, kind of a container mm-hmm. query kind of thing. Yeah, the structure is a little unusual here. It's like angle brackets with or or, or square brackets with media queries yeah, inside of it. Yeah, it's very custom. I mean, I, I wouldn't I, yeah. like that syntax. It probably won't change. end up. That yeah, one hundred percent probably will change. And so, I think like this is just sort of the prototype how you might express that. And if you just wanted to default the whole, you know, you could change that like to whatever you want. Like if you really want tabs on mobile, you can make it tabs on mobile or whatever. So we're just kind of giving a a way to sort of show this off, you know? Um, And so now through these affordances, that present, that tube of content can be presented in tabs. It could be present, be presented in a collapse pattern. And very recently the, uh, Aria working group was talking about role equals carousel, which is kind of like carousels are terrible, but they were like, Hey, guess what? They're not going anywhere. <laughs> so, and mm, are you saying this could even possibly well, help? It might, it might fit into it in the tab vendors, yeah. the group in the open UI I'm a part of have kind of picked it up to see if it fits in here. We kind of have to dissect carousels and what they mean. Cause there's like one at a time carousels, three at a time carousels, responsive, you know, all kinds. I mean, it also when when I saw some of this, this is probably not going to work. I'm not necessarily suggesting this, and I'm sure you've already thought of it. But because when it's in the collapsible sections style, mm-hmm. they're like details, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and but but they're one. I don't know if they're one at a time or not. I, that's interesting to me. They're not when it's in the collapse pattern. It can be. Yeah, it seems like that's a better default, right? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- why bother with one at a time in mm-hmm. that model? Yeah, yeah. But maybe, but maybe it, it does matter sometimes. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, what if you had a group of details, you know, like details set, <laughs> and with the attribute one on it, and that just meant that that group of details could only have one of them open at a time. Yeah, like that. That just seems like HTML territory. No, totally. Like like a declarative kind of thing, like at this point show this many, you know, like, and, and I think that's probably what like a carousel pattern, if this ever merged in might need to support too. like how many visible, how many are you showing? And that might even be at a breakpoint. like how many at breakpoint X do you want to show? So that's all complicated. Uh, I don't know that CSS even supports like language to do that really. You know, the, the, Examples I've been going through are like input type, you know, you'd say like input type email and you get some cool email keyboard on mobile or input type URL and you get URL validation. Um, Brian Cardell brought up the point of like scroll bars, you know, in CSS, you can say like overflow scroll and you get a scroll bar, but, but there's no like scroller element in HTML. It's just this affordance that shows up this, this, kind of UI that shows up when you ask for it. So, or when whatever heuristic triggers it. So like your content on the page is too long. So. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, read the blog post people. I wonder if, what, has there any been spicy sections is uh is unique. It's Googleable. It's, it's all that, but what is it really going to be? Uh, tabs? Probably not tabs. Um, I think like there's like the, uh, I think a lot of people like have, come up with, you know, different names. I, I actually don't care. Like (laughs) I care about the outcome more than the name, you know? Um, like maybe it's just an attribute on section. Yeah. Sections plural or something, you know, like, I don't know, but there was like, you know, there's like kind of this idea of like content set or panel set or, uh, Hixie in 2004 called it tab box, you know, um, which is, fine. I don't know. Um, but there's like, uh, there's probably an infinite number of things of what it could be called. The The positive note is, uh, we've got some really good positive signals from people who work on browsers. Um, I know Nicole Sullivan's very excited about this. Um, she was at Google and very influential in my opinion. Um, and so I just, that look looks good. Um, 
But what I would say now is like, please, please have a play with it because like we need feedback. We're at the, we need feedback stage, like please, because if it does not help you or if there's a major fatal flaw, we could be in trouble. So like, or we have to redo something. So like we have to go back to the drawing board. So yeah, it's kind of like no wonder that HTML moves so much slower than JavaScript and CSS does. It just feels like more dangerous. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, we, we've had this in a web component, JavaScript, AKA JavaScript, um, like as, as early as last January, but we are now kind of in the, like, this is that, that only had the one tab affordance, but we're doing the heading content kind of structure. But now we're getting into this, uh, uh, sort of multiple affordances because I think it needs it. I mean, it's popular and responsive work. Um, you could even see, I don't know if this will make the cut, but or like V1 or whatever, but you could see from like a screen reader perspective or I don't know if you have limited mobility, you're like, never show me <laughs> the full tube of content. I would rather opt into stuff or never show me tabs because i hate those you know stuff like that so like there might be like media queries like prefers no tabs or whatever (laughs) you know or prefers Mm -hmm. affordance tabs or something i don't know there's there's i i don't know if that any of that will happen but it's just something to consider like maybe there's some user control that we could offer too prefers carousel nope you know (laughs) so Like, what if that's in HTML, Chris? And uh, like, awesome. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, uh, that that could, you know, that would change everything. That would change, you know, I don't know, HTML slide decks and stuff. That would be toy. That's cool. I don't blame you for getting involved now. Now that's feeling like a little more fleshed out and the, you're kind of almost like past the research phase. It's like getting more exciting, right? It's Ooh. getting exciting because I, I think there's a... Right now, we have a research, we have documentation, um, and we have a candidate for kind of what we're in a web component. So you can play with it. It's not this theoretical, one day the browser might ship, you know, whatever input type uh, face detection or whatever. You know, it's not this theoretical. It's like a very workable prototype. So I think like that is exciting and so we can get feedback and we should get feedback um and then it'll move on to the working groups hopefully if you open your eyes like thumbs up and and then it would uh yeah but i i would love to know like is the tab the heading content structure is that like a deal breaker for you or is that interesting to you or is that a yep no the 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 one more time, the tab structure. Like, like it says, like you know, H two tab heading one <laughs> content. You know, yeah. is that a deal breaker for you, or is that interesting to you? No. Okay. I okay. like it. I prefer it. I think it makes more sense. But it, it's a little mental twisty. And then, but what really is it? Because it's not. You can't. It's not going to be H one or H two or H three or H four. Like, or how am I going to tell you which thing should be the tab? It kind of auto. That, maybe that's. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, it auto and then so then it's sort of like detail summary in that way. So it's like it, it would kind of be like your H two is your summary element, sort of, um, and then it kind of auto parses it. So and then if it fails, it just chucks it at the bottom. You know, chucks the stuff it couldn't do at the bottom. Sort of like how HTML is good at failing. So, well, that's interesting. That's actually better, I guess. It feels HTML-y to to kind of to guess and you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but but it'll have to be some algorithm there'll have to be some like canonical blog post about it i'll raise my hand to be that resource probably yeah no, <laughs> the, I, mean, I think it's like but like what's it gonna pick what if there's a what if there's an h3 first and then an h2 which one is it gonna take you know that kind of weird See, stuff. yeah i don't know uh i mean i think it would try to keep the heading level structure you know because it's saying like oh he started headings or he started tabs at h3 so he must want it at this level you know so but if yeah. you checked in h2 it might like in its current state decide to just help you out or whatever uh but it's uh i don't know i don't know if it locks you into a thing but yeah that like 
now we're messing with the document outline. And that's one concern I have is like, we're sort sort of touching the document outline. So does that mess with people? Does that, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, yeah, if you really want the, what if you really want that bar at the top and you, or you want button, 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 button in your markup, can you still have it if you want? Do, would you wire it up with JavaScript then? Would you hide and show certain internal aspects? If, if of you, well, and that's sort of what we're coming down to is like, if you really want that, you can write your own. <laughs> I mean, that's what we've been doing for decades. Yeah, right. So. Don't solve everything under the yeah. sun because if you can't, you can't. There's got to be some trade-offs. Um, so, but but at what what's the tab order then? If you're in a situation where it's visually presenting that way. Mm-hmm. That's the tab order anyway, isn't it? It'll tab across yep, the top. Yep, it'll just shoot yeah. across the top. So That's awesome. And you had to write nothing to make that work. You that's, just had to wrap it in uh, spicy sections. Yeah. So and that works yeah. for you. And you're it'll probably get so close to shipping and then they'll at right at the last minute browsers to be like, Oh yeah, but you have to instantiate it with JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just, <laughs> just, to, to, just to troll just me. Just to rain on just your to day. Friggin yeah. like you have to like whatever do like window dot enable tabs dot whatever yeah just to just just to <laughs> guarantee yeah. it that has then JavaScript my, is my headstone somehow. says <laughs> damn it yeah so. yeah <laughs> html dead ports yeah. anyway yeah <laughs> oh <right. This episode of Shop Talk Show is brought to you in part by Shortcut. Have you ever been really happy with your project management tool? Most of them out there are either too simple for a growing engineering team or too complex for anyone to really want to use. So Shortcut, formerly Clubhouse, by the way, name change, is different. It's built specifically for software teams. It's fast, intuitive, flexible, powerful, and many other nice, positive adjectives happy. Shortcut features include team-based workflows, org-wide goals and roadmaps, tight VCS integrations, keyboard-friendly interface, integrations planning. Sign up at shortcut.com slash shop talk. What a nice URL. Shortcut.com slash shop talk. Get two months free. Very generous of them. Thank you. You shouldn't have to project manage your project management. You know, one of the advantages to having a podcast is if you complain about a feature, it tends to get some attention once in a while. So I was, I didn't, I didn't, I, I don't know how this even came up again, but I, I would mention Cloudinary and how I have this weird problem with the, with the Wayback Machine and how the way, every time the Wayback Machine indexes my site, it like prefixes all of the IMG elements, SRC attribute with like, you know, way back cdn.waybackmachine.com dot blah blah cloudinary dot and whatever dot yeah. Well yeah, so it's got that URL, then the cloudinary fetch URL, then my image. So every cloudinary is fetching new versions of every single yeah, image for way back all yeah. the time. Which means there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of friggin' images in my Cloudinary account that just are just repeats. They're not that's not necessary that mm-hmm. they're there. The, the reason for that is it's not, it's like neither company's fault, really. It's just weird how it, how it pans out. And there was a good solution for it from Cloudinary. So, so high five to uh, both Eric Portis and I'm going to do this right because it matters. Erwin Lucas, who works for Cloudinary really went the extra mile to explain to me every detail of how this oh, okay. works and, and yada, yada, yada. There's a, they have, so when you are familiar with the, the fetch API a little bit, at least oh, yeah. in theory, yeah. right? Like you put the, yeah, you don't, they have an alternate version of the fetch API that does not require for whatever magical reason that you put the full URL of the resource you're fetching at the end of it, like with the HTTP colon slash really? slash. Yeah, they have another feature that's kind of better that's called auto upload. And it just requires a little bit more setup. So it's not as generally useful as fetch maybe. But if you use it, it's just, it's called the auto upload feature. And it means it like still grabs that 
asset from elsewhere, but then it like puts it in your Cloudinary account and then you can like mess with it in your Cloudinary account and those when you mess with it, it those changes like persist. Mm-hmm. And it it's just is a little different URL structure and you got to like make a little bucket for them so it goes into the right bucket and okay. stuff. It's kind of interesting. Um, but it ultimately works the same way, similarly easy to use. And then because there's not that extra HTTPS blah, blah, blah in the middle of the URL, it totally solved the Wayback Machine problem. So it just kind of was double wow, duty. So and they, they sorted me out. Because it, it was cool. like your Cloudinary was filling up with these garbage Wayback yeah whatever url generations question mark from this year from this year it's not like costed me all that money but it made like for example the media library on cloudinary was useless to look at because it's just all repeats yeah it's totally fixed so is it fixed now is it all merged down and all these so all these auto images kind of go in their own little world sort of is that kind of it or yeah they do but it's like still useful like I can browse it. There's no repeats, and See, yeah, this is why and you have kind of isolated, and all that. so you can complain, and then people fix yeah. it or explain your problem. Yeah, you know. And it wasn't even a big deal before because it didn't really cost that much money or problems or anything. It's just it just was weird and kind of a waste of electricity, frankly. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing we did is after we got it all working, then I they have this bulk request delete form essentially and you say you know i delete all assets older than this date in this bucket blah 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 that kind of crap and i just filled it out and mass deleted all those old duplicates and done sweet that's cool and if any thanks like not a sponsor could be deleted any image it would just regenerate like whatever that you're using currently or whatever yeah that's awesome i knew yeah i need to use cloudinary yeah look it up they got a page that says the difference between or comparing fetch to auto upload, and it's really clearly lays out that they're very similar APIs, but basically auto upload is cooler if you can pull it off. Wow. I'm going to look it up. So anyway, Apple, um, I have a problem with, I need three Pro Display XDR monitors. Okay. And you I have supply a chain. I want to test it out. You supply chain. Yeah, so. uh, <laughs> no, I'm just saying, ship them over to me, and, and then I'll mention it on the podcast. See? Okay, yeah. <laughs> Apple, we have a major problem. <laughs> Actually, Apple, if you want to send me a new computer so I can use my yeah. computer with more than one monitor, that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be. Mm-hmm. So uh, what else can Apple do for us? The, did you, you ended up getting a new Mac, huh? This is now a Mac podcast. If you want to fast forward in your podcatcher. <laughs> You could just hit the next chapter button, but no, I mean, yes, I did, but I did so unapologetically because my I have a 2018er. It's almost 2022 now, so almost four years out of that beast because it was like January 2018 yeah. or something. And uh, whatever, it served me well. Um, and I'm ready. Our company's ready for the ARM architecture, and I'm a freaking fanboy anyway. And I make all of my money sitting in front of a computer. Gosh darn it! And I have this side project podcast that could buy me the thing but i didn't even need to because it's a business expense and it means i don't pay taxes on the money that the podcast costs me and you're god dang ka-ching, right ka-ching, i'm gonna ka-ching. get you well it amortizes over five years and went. <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah because yeah, you can't have your can't have october 2021 looking terrible on the books just because you bought a bunch of computers yeah. you know you gotta amortize that stretch, stretch it out a little bit five well we do all that stuff of course but yeah no i'm stoked for it I got everything. I turned up every damn dial on that thing. I just want to, I want to feel it. I, you know what I won't? I hate to say it. It's not even here yet. I'm going to love it. You know, I'm excited about the machine. I'm an Apple fanboy and all that. But web work just is not that. Memory intensive. <laughs> you yeah. feel, your web pack isn't going to go any faster. I'm well, afraid, so that's know? what I would love to know. Like, because it's like, ooh, more cores. Oh, dude, 72 GPU cores, you know? Um, yeah. And I... I wonder how multi-threaded web development is. You know what I mean? Like Not zero, zero multi-threaded. So as far as I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I saw somebody post like single core performance was about the same, but it's the multi-core performance that they're all on and all those charts and graphs that they're talking about. Right. So. What this computer and all of this crap, even the pro XDR monitor, all that, it's for video people. Mm-hmm. Your life is sweet right now if you 
are rocking, you know, those beautiful screens that support 50 billion colors per pixel right, or whatever. Right. And, and, but I do do video editing. I mean, a shop talk show video is edited by me. Like not that I do that good of a job. In fact, <laughs> we should probably talk about that at <laughs> yeah. some point. Like somebody else probably should take over on that job, but I do export a lot of video and that really will cook, but that's going to go. Well, fast. And I think those, I think I was talking to somebody who does audio and, um, you know, I think even your audio cuts go so much faster, like just like one minute, you know, whatever podcast yeah. exports and stuff like that. So I think that I'm actually going to feel that. And I like the RAM and all that stuff. I like to like not I feel like I spent most of my life on computers really like thinking about what's open constantly like, oh, I better quit Photoshop before I start my browser or something. Yeah, and like, you yeah. know, not super lately. And I feel like that's been nice lately that I, I don't care. I could be halfway through a video edit and just minimize the video thing and just move on with something else. And that something else could be, could be Photoshop. Right. And then I'm also have 50 tabs open and I'm running Notion and I got all kinds of crap open and I never think about it. Yeah. Once in a while, just through idle muscle memory, I go like quit some apps or something. But for the most part, I do not think about it. No, I mean, that's like very compelling. I actually can not to, I I took a foray into Docker. I'm getting into Docker. I feel like everyone should know that. Oh my God. Um, Yes. Docker on my M1 is, is slow. It's very slow, but I'm sure I just don't have the dials turned up or whatever. I, I don't have enough, whatever, dinos in my Docker, you know. Have you gotten, have you, just to, not to distract you too terribly, but have you were making it work and all that. Have you, there are dials right in the UI where it's like, how much yeah. memory should it have? How much CPU should it have? And you really got to get it right because either direction is bad. If the Docker doesn't have enough, that's bad. But if you give it too much, that's bad too. It chokes my whole system. Yeah. And so I need to yeah. figure out what that magic spot is. Cause you know, even just like NPM install is just like, okay, but I'll come back, you know? Um, <laughs> oh geez. Uh really yeah, it's just yeah. like but but I think there's also like another flag. You know, Docker's it's great, but it's so opaque to me because there's like the education is all just like, oh man, you want to set up a Kubernetes triple flop stack with load balance blar to believe? And I'm like, dude, I really just want to run a node app, like <laughs> I want to put NUX to a container, you know, um, and deploy it as many times as I want, 50 times. Uh, well, it's just, it's more like, I just like, I'm building a thing and it's like, if somebody's like, Hey, I want that thing. I want to pay you for that thing. I want to be like, cool, here it is. I stood it up for you. Let's just put your content in, you know, like, like, yeah. so that's like the goal is like, I just want to like lower the cost or time to install, I guess that's the the metric I'm trying to optimize or like, I think that's great. Cause if you just, you know, it probably will run way faster on your native machine, but then you know, you're selling it to somebody who's on Linux or whatever, and it doesn't install for them. You've just, oh, you've just neutered your, your, a week of oh, your time, you know, where if it's a Docker, it really will work. Yeah. On their machine. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Right. And so the, the issue I've been having <laughs> is, you know, we get to this point, it's like containerized deployment. We solved servers, you know, and then Apple shows up, do, 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 guess what buds? I'm changing the whole freaking CPU. <laughs> talk to you later. I don't talk to anybody. I'm out, you know? And then, mm. so now I have this, we have this Docker file, which is great. Like we figured it out, but the Docker file has to like inspect the architecture to make like one little rust doodad, like install the right binary and find the right binary. And then like, you have to like, mm. it's, it's fine, but it just, it's like, it took like two weeks of debugging and like just Docker up. Docker down, Docker up, Docker down, you know, like, and, and mm, yeah, the, the feedback loop for testing it is real slow. Oh, that, it, yeah. It couldn't be like slower. I mean, cause you're just like, okay, let's try it again. 300 seconds. And I probably should have, while in that testing phase, juiced it, just given it all, all the juice it needs, you know, but yeah, I probably. was, I was pretty, I don't know. I, I'm, it reminded me of that ebook work I did where you make one little change, run the command line to build it. Two minutes later, look at the result. Uh-oh, not right. That used to be kind of web development. Like you make a change, you'd FTP it up. You'd wait about two minutes, right. hard refresh. Oh, I wiped out the site. Oh, that's why. Like, <laughs> and we're so used to like HMR and everything. Like, like, right. 
you're told within half a millisecond if you typed the wrong thing. If it's over half a millisecond, I'm like, what's wrong? I mean, what? we <laughs> Right. That's why I shiver when people say they're, oh, my, when my webpack takes 90 seconds. And you're like, what? In the Discord, people are like, dude, just GitHub down. It was because like requests were taking over a second, you know? It's <laughs> 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 GitHub entirely down. Yeah. Expectations change a bunch. Yeah. So it's very much, I don't know. So like this Docker thing, it's been an educational route. But, and I generally understand this stuff. I just, for me, I get hooked up on, on jargon, right? Like, Okay, Docker, how do you want me to do this? I know how to install an Ubuntu server, but how do you want me to do this? You know, and then like, okay, why didn't that work, Docker? Now I have to find out why you didn't like that, you know? And so it's all this this sort of uh, install Google, install fail Google loop, you know, <laughs> like and fix it. There's a problem. Okay, Google it. Try something else. And I'm just like copy and pasting commands right now, and it doesn't feel like I'm super super skilled yet, you know. So I'm in this like novice phase, and it's kind of frustrating. But I'll get through it. But I, I wish there was a good. If anyone has recommendations for like a really good like how to become a freaking sick whatever Kuber Docker master Docker master Doc master. <laughs> because <laughs> that's an actual job title right but um the people who are really good at it are the industry leaders in it i feel like we tried to hire one at one point and i was like whoa your salary is crazy bye is kelsey hightower because <laughs> <laughs> no, i want to in that hire in that ballpark <laughs> anyway because everybody's architecture is like that especially if you're at scale and if you're at scale you're making money and whatever it's a good job kids out there that's what you should do do devops it's such a specialty you know it, I think if you if you have a knack for it, friggin' do it. Like just just be a DevOps person and you you help people solve their internal problems all the time. That's so cool. So it, I fantasize about it, you know? It's in in that same type of fantasy where I'm like, I should go back and get a PhD in math. Oh, is that you your like, I'm not gonna do it, but I want to. Like that'd be neat. What's your is that your uh your uh grad school fantasy? PhD in math? A little bit. I think that's my best one. Uh, maybe music too, but I feel like some, there's so many naturally talented people at music. It scares me. Whereas math, I feel like I could brute force my way into it, but mostly my fantasy is like being on a college campus again oh, and like sitting around the quad sack. talking yeah. with, yeah, but no, I don't care about hacky Zach, but I care about like intellectual conversations just for the sake of it. Sure. 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 For no, nobody's really giving a crap about money or their jobs or anything. They just want to like solve a proof. No, that's, uh, that's perfectly admirable I, mine's way more selfish i want to get an mba so i can walk into a meeting where i meet like business people and i'm like i'm a developer but i'm actually on y'all's level so get ready we're gonna talk about <laughs> excel okay man check it yeah merge sort i don't know there's real skills that you gather from from mba i think so i i think i would i may still do it because i have a friend who did like a night school mba and it almost killed yeah. him, but it was, he was like, it was pretty great. So I do selfishly kind of want to get to that like level of this is fuck bougie crap, but like, it, I've been working hard for a long time, Dave. Can we just strike it rich at some point? And then like, then life opens up to this, you know, oh, yeah. every decision I make isn't like definitely, you know, cause right now all my decision-making is I still need to make X money to make sure that this family works. And it's very pressure based thing yeah 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 like, like everybody else on earth i have to work to make money to pay for the things well and, and then there's like i think for, for so much of my life you know paravel's done very well over the years and that's like it's mm -hmm. it, but it's funny because it's just it's so inconsistent there's high months there's low months high years low years but like you know i think my posture is like always like Paravel's going out of business next week. So <laughs> make sure, you know, but it's never, you know, never, but it's always just in, like yeah. my, that's like a Jeff Bezos thing. Like live your life scared as hell. Yeah. Like of, he has some quote like and, that. And <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's just this idea of like, like, okay, do you have the backup plan if the bottom falls out? Blah, blah. And not like I'm a huge prepper, although I have bought some prepper magazines. If you listen to episodes of the podcast in the past, <laughs> I'm not some huge prepper, but it's just this like, okay, like what, how, what, like, okay, if the money well runs out, what do, what do you do? And then when do you call it? You know, and so anyway, we're all fine. Don't worry about us. But it, it was just this like, 
it's just that like background fear of like, dude, what, what do you do? Like, you know, like, I think you go work at some weird enterprise auth company or something that nobody's really heard of, but somehow makes millions of billions of dollars. Yeah. Just be, be a little, be a dev dude. Do your Jira's. Do your Jira's. Sit down, do Jira's. Push back always. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You need what by when? Hmm, I can do half. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Half that, then half Half, that. Double half that. You know, we did a video on Cloudflare Mm -hmm. workers. And the first thing I did was like, oh, let's see how this like default worker, I can just type like DaveRupert.com in there. And then it does a fetch for DaveRupert.com and returns that website. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, like that's compelling right away because you're like, oh, weird, you know? <laughs> like now I have, there's two DaveRupert's.com just because I typed in a URL. <laughs> but imagine that, so that's just a one trip thing. And then we talked about like, oh, well, obviously this thing could perform multiple fetches mm-hmm. and stitch things together and all that. That one interesting thing that it can do that I think, I wonder if we'll see more and more of this. I'm actively doing it as a test. It can not just fetch like some HTML or, data from an API or something, you can just grab a third-party JavaScript library. Like CodePen has one for embed, embedded mm-hmm. pens. When you embed a pen, it links to a library that we host for you on a CDN that's called like ei.js or something weird okay. we call it. Embedded something. I don't even remember what EI stands for. Wow, I'm embedded a terrible. Embedded integron. Information. <laughs> I don't know. That looks like third-party JavaScript. Mm-hmm. We call it third-party JavaScript. Mm-hmm. You could just proxy that. You could fetch that with your worker, bind it to daverupert.com slash EIJS, and have the worker serve that third-party JavaScript. So all of a sudden, it's still third-party JavaScript because it's coming from us. So if it changes, it'll change right. and all that. But it looks to the browser like it's first-party right. JavaScript, meaning that nobody's going to block mm. it. Dude, you just solved uh, malicious ads. Good job, Chris. <laughs> well, doesn't that suck? Yeah, you like all those resources that you know you could be calling AdSense or Facebook's ad server or whatever, and just make them look like they come from your own website, <laughs> and then you can't block them. Or in order to block them, you got to get really down in the dirt or turn off JavaScript entirely or something. I'm doing it now with with analytics. I read this blog post from Plausible that oh was like, "Oh my god, hold on." Okay. Yeah, keep going. Sorry, because uh, I have an issue on my site with like I get an accessibility error from my Carbon ads. Love Carbon ads, or or it's like a performance error because it's like, oh, you 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 did a bad uh, time TTL was the the lifespan of the image or whatever. Oh, yeah, you could adjust the header. So it's a little, it's a proxy, but it's a proxy that messes with the yeah, headers to hold on to it Yeah, and it comes back longer. with like a slightly large image, and I could just yeah. like whatever, pass it through a... Oh, you could bonk it through the resizer too. Workers can do that. It was, a, it was I'll say that it was a little clickbaity of an article from Plausible I.O., but it was, you know, I don't blame them. That's their job in life. The title of the article is 58% of Hacker News, Reddit, and tech-savvy audiences block Google Analytics. That's a click from me because I'm like, 58%? Really? Not like I get most of my traffic from Hacker News and Reddit, but CSS Tricks is a tech-savvy audience. Mm -hmm. And my analytics information is Google Analytics. I've had it on there since day one. And it, it appeals to me to have that long of a data set of traffic information, mm-hmm. but I'm like 58%. Wow. Did you know, you? that's Did high. You? Meaning that if you, if all those people didn't block analytics, your analytics would look about double or you more turn on, dude. what it does you now. First party and see what happens. Well, I did, but with, with the, I didn't read this carefully enough. All I did was install Plausible, okay. which is still third-party JavaScript, but way less people block okay. it because it's like, what's yeah, plausible, yeah, yeah. you know? Like it's a, it, And in fact, they do nothing. It's like very privacy-focused analytics anyway. So nobody's like, nobody's rushing to block it anyway because they do a good job, right? But it's still third-party JavaScript. So whatever. They had a little docs on how to proxy it. And it's a little more involved. It's more like, 20 lines of code because there's some like, you know, header. There's just yeah, a little extra crap you got to proxy through. But I set it up in Cloudflare and now I'm tracking it that way. And preliminary results are that the week that I tracked it with third-party JavaScript is 
lower. Like it is working. It is nowhere near 58%. Ooh, of I'd people. love to know the percent no. though. Like what the. I bet it's like 10. Okay. For me. Okay. For yeah. me. But that's just, I haven't run the numbers exactly yet. But that could be just on plausible. I bet GA is a bigger surface area. Like I bet more people block GA than, you know. Oh, absolutely. So. And, but in the other problem is that we don't know their exact methods internally for counting these numbers. It is different code. So just because Google Analytics says you got 28,000 unique visitors and Plausible says you got 29,000 unique visitors, it's not the same code base counting that stuff. Yeah. Because they have to do fancy crap. Like they're both filtering bots because who cares how many bots hit your website? That doesn't matter, you know. What if they count bots differently is the point. So I have two sets of analytics. Uh, Ooh, Blogtober's kicking off here, dude. Blogtober's happening. Uh, I have have the server side and the client side. I have... I have Fathom, which is another like privacy focused self hosting. Oh, yeah. Nice. I did the self hosted route. I think the product is way better if you pay 15 bucks a month for it. But you know, I've got 14,000 page visitors in the last four weeks on that one, which is in 20,000 page views, pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. But then on Notify, let me go to Notify. Oh, you flipped that on too. I have that going because that's server side. So that's like zero penalty, you know? Um, zero penalty, but they also don't filter bots. So it will just they look. They don't filter bots. So they have me at 23, or sorry, 334,000 page views. So one oh order of magnitude higher, plus 1.5 more orders of magnitude. And then total unique visitors is 27K, which is like about double the 14K. Um, so it's, it's really interesting. Wow. Yeah, because, I mean, like... How does Fathom work? Is it JavaScript Java, or not? JavaScript, but I it goes yeah. to first party, so it's hitting stats.daverupert.com. But, um, oh, cool. And then I yeah, save so my own digital it. ocean. It should not be blocked. Um, An order of magnitude difference, though, is whack. So they're both useful for relative. Like, if you see a spike, a spike is a spike. The spike's there a for spike a reason. A but spike. if you're comparing them across analytics tools... <laughs> What the hell are you supposed to think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what to do. And then there's all this traffic from Germany. I think I'm on some like weird botnet in Germany because like 107,000 page views from Germany. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know, and my top posts are all old posts or like offline or something. So I don't even know, man. But let's see. Yeah. The, the traffic to my blog post is double on Netlify than what it's reporting in Fathom. So not, mm. not saying Fathom's wrong in their new, their like paid product is maybe better than this unsupported self-hosted one, but it's really hard to know how many people actually go to your website. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and I wish people knew. I, I wish you could know that. I don't super care, but I wish you could know that, you know, like I wish there was, not just a giant question mark in the sky, you know? Yeah, I mean, I hate to, I'm sure many people disagree, but my guess is that your best bet is Google Analytics because they have played the game for so long that they're just an entrenched player in that. And especially if you proxy it, you can even run Google Analytics server side, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Which I hear that's what people are kind of shifting to because I think I think clients, you know, stuff's blocking it. I think we've done tracked too much and everyone's kind of getting sensitive and blocking it. So yeah, yeah. I even I mostly block it and only because it's more. I don't I'm not actually worried about the performance because the scripts I know are written to not be that bad and they are deferred always. And the default snippet is pretty chill and it's like I'm not that worried about the perf, but it's like, but it is doing some work. Mm-hmm. Like my CPU is doing some stuff that I just don't, it's irrelevant to me. So why would I let it do that? I mean, you can see. It's my computer. If you you watch it, I think this came up recently in the Discord as well. But like if you run a perf trace on it, like you see the yellow slug of slowness, like it'll block the main thread. Just just Google Analytics. Oh, it will occasionally. Oh, well, there you go. That does suck. Perhaps Google Tag Manager specifically. But yeah, it's just like, well, that sucks. <laughs> so you, you're just telling me to be fast, but then you installed their analytics, and then it's like, oh, see, you're not fast anymore. 
let's wrap it up. Uh, Let's do this again. Yeah, we sometime. should do it again <laughs> pretty soon because I have to go out of town. Thanks, sir, listener, for uh, downloading this in your podcast. Your choice. Be sure to start favorite up. That's how people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter at Shop Talk Show for 16 tweets a month. And um, join us on the Discord, uh, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. And we got a YouTube over on the Real Citizens Tricks YouTube channel. Be sure Heck to yeah, like we do. and subscribe. And Chris, anything else you'd like to say? Whoa, shoptalkshow.com.